Jen and Brian and Joey uh, and Karen, they, they all do a wonderful job. Um, and so I know I'm grateful uh, for uh, the worship team, as I'm grateful uh, for all of uh, you guys. This past uh, Tuesday, uh, Jamie and I uh, made it out uh, to uh, the Beaver Creek area. Now it should be on. I think I turned it on and then I turned it off. Beauty. Uh, smart man, smart man. So we watched a movie. We watched uh, Ad Astra, um, which was all right. It, it was decent. It was a, it's a space movie, um, but uh, I thought it had missed potential. But anyways, uh, we, we enjoyed the movie. We went out to eat at Chick-fil-A. Uh, that's a big treat for me, Chick-fil-A, because when uh, in Michigan, we have two Chick-fil-A's. Both of them are within 10 minutes of our house. In the whole state of Michigan, the first two Chick-fil-A's they built were within 10 minutes of our house in Michigan. And when we were down at the Bible College, the closest restaurant to us, which we got uh, a lot of use out of, was Chick-fil-A. And then when I interned in South Carolina, there was a Chick-fil-A just about, it seemed like, on every exit. And so I got a lot of Chick-fil-A, and I began to fall in love with Chick-fil-A. But now here, we come to Ohio, and what's up with Springfield not having a Chick-fil-A? I, I see some hands raised up in the air. We need, a, like, a petition or something. I love me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we got some Chick-fil-A, and then we also went to Target. And so we enjoyed our evening uh, on Tuesday. Um, again, something we've been wanting to do for a while. Uh, but it was pretty hard for us to find uh, the time to do such a thing, as uh, I stay pretty busy and Jamie stays pretty busy. And so it's hard for us to find an evening where we could both uh, go ahead and do something together. But nonetheless, uh, we, we, we did it on Tuesday. because, And again, it's difficult because we're really busy. Can anyone else relate to me with how busy life is and, and you just want to spend one evening with your family and it seems like it's the hardest thing in the world to organize because we're so busy in life. I mean, the world, our society throws so much at us that it's hard to even just enjoy one uh, simple uh, evening uh, with, with our loved ones. Um, and, and this busyness that we have, uh, I mean, it's good to, to stay busy. Uh, the, the book of Proverbs uh, talks about uh, how we should uh, take after the ants. No, not, not our ants, not like my Aunt Beth or Aunt Marcia or, or Jennifer, but like the ants, the, the, the little bugs that, that crawl on the ground. They said we should take up after the ants because they work day and night, and the, the book of Proverbs encourages that behavior. But at the same time, there comes to a point where our busyness is taking over our lives, where we can no longer just have a, a simple evening uh, with, with our fellow loved ones. So this, this morning, we're, we're going to do an exercise, um, something we did uh, with the youth group um, a while ago in, in the spring or winter time. We're going to go over what a typical, you know, kind of weekly schedule looks like, how much time we spend on a weekly basis doing some, uh, some of our ordinary things. And I have an assistant this morning, Jamie, uh, if, if I were to write on here, uh, it, it would be useless. You, you wouldn't be able to read it. So I have uh, my lovely assistant uh, this morning. So we're just going to cover a couple of the things that take up our time. First thing we need to know, you can write it up on the top, is there are 168 hours in a week. All right, that's how much time you have in a week. In a seven-day period, 168 hours. Nothing more, nothing less. Well, I, I, I should take that back. This week, we actually have 169 hours. Um, my, my dad always used to kid that uh, daylight savings time when we fall backwards. Uh, it was always one of his favorite days, and he kind of joked around with it, but I think there's a lot of truth in that as he, he valued that sleep, and he liked that extra sleep. So I hope you guys, did, did you guys enjoy your extra hour of sleep this morning? No. I, I, don't tell me you guys are the people that w when daylight savings time comes, you go, you know, I have an extra hour, so I'm going to stay up an hour later. In the end, you'll be even more tired. So I hope, I hope you got some good sleep. I hope you're well rested. But, so first thing we're going to talk about in our weekly schedule is sleep. 
Uh, studies show uh, that the average person uh, gets about seven hours um, per night. So seven times seven, that's 49. So you can go ahead and write sleep, 49. That's how many hours, and, and we're, we're going through this list, and, and, I, and I understand that for some of you, that number may be greater, and some of you, that number may be smaller. Um, scientists, uh, they, they encourage that adults get seven to nine, and if you're younger, even more. Um, I, I'm to the point where I'm young enough that uh, if I were to get seven hours a night, uh, I would still be uh, very tired. I'm more of an eight, eight per night kind of guy, personally. Uh, but So that's the first thing, 49 hours. That, that's the big chunk of our time uh, taken away right there. Number two, we got to eat. Who likes to eat? Yeah, I, I like to eat. I figure that uh, we eat maybe about an hour a day. Is that, is that a fair? Uh, this is kind of more of a, a dialogue. So, so is that fair when we're going through this? Is that fair? Seven hours in a week? Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll go with this. Seven hours. Seven hours of eating. That's, that's about one hour to eat a day. That's about 20 hours, uh, or not 20 hours, that's about 20 minutes a meal. I thought, thought that was pretty reasonable. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to be pretty generous uh, with our times here. Number three is you got to get ready in the morning. And now, uh, I, I generally take about a, a half hour in, in the mornings uh, to get ready. And I figure uh, that not many people are, are really got, probably going to be too much lower than that. Some people may be more than that, which is completely fine. But I say about three and a half hours per week. Is that fair? Three and a half hours in a week to get ready for your day, to shower, brush your teeth, comb your hair, brush your hair, uh, put on deodorant. Don't forget the deodorant. That's important. Been there, done that. Um, <laughs> Uh, next thing when we think about our weekly, weekly schedule is we have to drive to and from work. And so uh, we figure, uh, well, the average, I would say, about a half hour um, per day. And uh, so that leaves us uh, to about two and a half hours. If you work five days a week, that's about two and a half hours. And so that's, that's counting to and back. And I realize a lot of you guys probably have longer commutes than that to work, longer than 15 minutes there and 15 minutes back. But we'll go with two and a half for getting ready or for, for driving to work or school. The next thing that takes up a big chunk of our time is work or school. And now I, I realize uh, that we have some people in here who are retired and don't have school or work. But I know you guys are busy because you guys are constantly telling me about all the things you have to do and all the busyness. Um, so I don't know what you fill up those 40 hours with, but apparently you do something. Um, but for, for the rest of us, uh, generally, we, we work about 40 hours. Although for a lot of us who, who are working, uh, generally people are working more than 40 hours per week. Can, can I get any amens? Yes. Well, society Studies are showing that Americans are working more and more and more and have less and less and less free time uh, as we go forward. So, so again, I'll be generous and say that the average person is at about 40 hours between work or if you're at school and in school, uh, you know, you, you go to school for seven hours a day and then they send you home and you have homework. So I, I'm sure many of you guys who are in school easily reach that, that 40 number as well. The next thing that we have to consider is uh, what I would like to call the not much phase. You know, you, you're kind of sitting there, you're, you're on your phone, you're just sitting on the couch, or you're laying in bed on your phone, or you're watching the news, reading the newspaper. You know, you're, you're kind of doing something, but when people ask you what you're up to, you go, eh, not much. We, 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 everybody kind of get what we're talking about. I'm going to go ahead and say this may seem a, a, a bit ridiculous at first, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest 21 21 hours for, and eh, not much. And, and I get my support from that because studies show uh, that the average American spends more than three hours on their phone per day. I mean, uh, that's something that, I don't know if the other phones do that, but that's something that the iPhone does, uh, where they show you your screen report, uh, how much time you spend on a daily basis. And I will admit, uh, sadly, uh, that I've hit the three-hour mark before. I, I've, I spent uh, three hours on my phone per day, uh, some weeks. Uh, that tells me that, that people have a lot of, and eh, not much time uh, on their hands as they're, uh, again, just sitting on the couch, uh, scrolling through Facebook or Twitter, Instagram, uh, reading the, the latest news, reading sports. I, like to, I love to read sports on, on my phone. Um, whatever it may be, or laying in bed, I used to have this awful habit in high school where I would go to bed and I would just scroll through my phone for about an hour. 
uh, on Facebook. And it got to such a bad point where I had to get rid of Facebook for a while because it became an addiction for me. I was, addict- I was addicted to Facebook in high school. I-, I had to realize that as I was spending no less than an hour probably per night on my phone uh, in high school. So again, I, I had to get rid of that. Um, but there's, we have a lot of this not much phase when people ask you, what are you up to? Eh, not much. Next thing uh, that we got to do is we got to hang out with our friends and or family. This is important. This is what Jamie and I just did uh, this past Tuesday. And that's important. Time with your friends and family is important. Um, I would say, uh, and this is just a rough idea, but I would say uh, the average person maybe spends about seven hours per week just hanging out uh, with their friends and family. And if it's more for you, uh, that is awesome. But I would say about seven hours. Is that pretty fair? Okay, I see some heads not, head nodding there. Uh, so very good. Next, we have uh, kind of our recreational time. Some of you guys may be laughing uh, when I uh, say recreational time. Uh, but this is uh, kind of like the movies or when you're watching a movie or doing a puzzle or watching uh, football um, or baseball, the World Series just in. I don't know if many of you guys watched the World Series. I saw a lot of people uh, talking about uh, the Eaton guy here from uh, Springfield. Um, but other recreational ideas, some, some like to read, some like to play games, board games or video games. And I would say the average person probably spends about 14 hours um, per week uh, doing their recreational time. And the not much phase and the recreational uh, time, uh, they kind of bleed into each other. Um, but I would say, uh, to be fair, about 14 hours a week recreational time. So that, that's about averaging two, two hours per day. I realize you probably don't get that on the weekdays, two hours, but I'm guessing you get more than two hours both on Sunday and on Saturday. So we'll stick with 14 there. Next is we have to work uh, around uh, the house. Uh, we have to cook. Uh, we have just the chores. Um, I'm guessing most of us uh, don't have the privilege of having a maid, uh, someone to take care of our house. So we have to take care of our own house between uh, cooking the food eat each day. Uh, my, my wife's number for this category was probably a, a good bit higher um, than mine, so thank you, Jamie. Um, but the average person, I would say, probably spends about seven hours, seven hours per week doing work around the house, whether that's mowing the lawn or, or vacuuming or dusting or cooking or doing chores, whatever it may be, cleaning the bathroom. I'd say on average about seven hours per week, and I'm guessing uh, a lot of women uh, have a higher number than seven, and I'm guessing a lot of us men uh, probably lower than uh, that uh, seven hours per week when we're talking about taking care of the house and cooking and that sort of thing. Next thing is we attend uh, social events. Uh, we go to birthday parties, weddings. Uh, we, we just like to go uh, have parties for whatever reason, uh, concerts, uh, whatever it may be. And I'd say we, on average maybe about three hours per week uh, at a, a social event. The next, uh, church. Uh, you guys are all here, so we can stick in two hours for church. Yay, yay you. Good, good for you getting up this morning and coming to church. Um, and that's counting the service time. Some of us may be uh, attending the, the Sunday school. But also you have your drive to and from a church, and, and we're hanging out there in, in the foyer after talking to people. So I'd say about two hours um, for church. And then lastly, uh, we, we also have, or not lastly, we had two more actually. One is, uh, I know you guys are all reading your Bibles because that's something we talked about. So surely you're reading your Bible for at least a one hour um, a week um, as, as we talked about that. So I'm sure that's happening, right? Yeah, thank you. Um, so we'll spend an hour uh, reading the Bible as well. And the last one is uh, just the, the miscellaneous section. Uh, that's stuff that really doesn't have much of a category uh, that's like, Using the restroom, shopping, picking up food, volunteering, your, some of your extracurricular events. If you're in school or if you're a parent going to those extracurricular events or uh, what Jamie and I will be spending a lot of our time in a couple weeks changing poopy diapers. Uh, there's not really a good category for that, so that'll fall in the miscellaneous section. So that is our schedule. There. Oh, ten, I'd say about 10 hours for, for miscellaneous on, on a weekly basis. And so if we add that up, our number comes to 167. So you can, you can write 167. 
And for many of us, uh, again, I, I'm being generous in, in how much time we sleep or uh, the, the amount of time we work especially or uh, the, the recreational time or getting ready or eating. Th- these are all very generous. And so there, just what I could come up with in this morning is 167 of our 168 hours. If we don't plan in advance our schedule is going to take care of, of our plans. They're going to over, overpower our ideas and, and what we want to do. If we want to do something, we have to be intentional about it. Because just here, going through, through a, a, a weekly a schedule, we're, we're up to just one hour left. One hour left to, to do whatever else you want. And, and that is not a, a lot of time. And so when we're talking about the busyness of our schedule, when we're sleeping for a lot of it, we're working for a lot of it, homework, we, we're attending these social events, uh, we have all this other stuff going on, our, our not much uh, phase. With all that said, I fear that a lot of us are not getting in time that, that could fall under the category of alone time with God. I feel that is a category um, that is just non-existent in a lot of our weekly schedules is alone time with God. And, and I understand, we are busy people. You are busy. We, we live in America, and America is all about do, do, do. Not do, do, but do, do, do. Go, go, go. And, and, and we're constantly doing stuff. We're constantly going places because uh, America, we're trying to advance. We're trying, we're trying to do the most that we can with as little time that we have because time is such a valuable resource. And in that busyness of our schedules, again, I fear that we are missing out on our alone time with God. And, and I'll be the first one to admit that sometimes I, it, it's a struggle for me to get in my alone time with God, and, and, I, and I realize uh, when, when I'm feeling down um, just generally in, in life, uh, the, the main reason, the main culprit is because I'm not getting in that alone time with God. But when I feel real good about myself and I feel real good about uh, life, it's because I, I'm making that time with God, that, that alone time with God a priority in our life. But again, I, I understand uh, you're busy, uh, I'm busy, as talking about, it's hard for us to even plan a Tuesday evening outing, just uh, the two of us, something we want to do before uh, we have baby McLean busting into the scene. We'll enjoy him, but we won't get as much alone time. Um, and I can imagine uh, that the president of the United States is extremely Extremely busy. As the president, no matter what, what president it was, uh, the past is Trump, like 45. Am I right about that? 45, is that what we're at right now? Uh, I believe so. Um, I'm not getting much clarification from you guys. Yes, okay, there we go. Uh, so the 45 presidents, I'm sure they were extremely busy in their life because they had such a huge responsibility. Their responsibility was to manage the, the, the country of the United States of America. And today, that's the most powerful nation in the world. And that is such a huge responsibility. I can only imagine how busy the lives of our presidents uh, can be. Uh, Obama, Trump, Bush, all, all the presidents in the past, Lincoln, Washington, I imagine they were extremely busy like their busyness scale is probably way above ours. And I imagine they were so busy, but that, but that gets me thinking. That gets me thinking about one man in, in particular, and, and that man is Jesus. And, and my mind starts to think, how busy would have Jesus been in, in, in his life here on earth for, the, for the, about those 30, 33 years? How busy would have Jesus been? As we think about the president probably being super busy, I mean, we're busy, and we're just trying to manage our own households. But here, the president is being extremely busy managing uh, the country. But Jesus was called to be the savior of not, not Israel, not Jerusalem, not, not the Middle East, but Jesus was called to be the savior of the world, a, a responsibility that, that nobody else has. So when we're talking about busyness, I'm sure Jesus trumps all of us in, in, in that scale of being busy as he had so much on his plate. I mean, many of us uh, were, were, were blessed to live uh, longer lives, 70, 80, 90 years, and, and that's a great blessing. But Jesus, he only had about 30 to 33 years of life here on this ministry. He had 30 years to get done what he needed to get done here on earth. 
And so not only did he have a lot in his plate, but he had a small amount of time to get that done. I mean, he, he, he had to preach to the people. He had to disciple his disciples. He, he had uh, to heal. He, he spent a lot of time healing people's diseases and, and curing them. He had to spend time casting out these demons. He, he had a lot on his plate. He had to hang out with, with the tax collectors and sinners. Jesus had a ton on his plate. Jesus would have been by far more busy than any of us. However, when I read through the Gospels, the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, depicting uh, who Jesus is and what he did, I I see one thing incredible about Jesus' schedule. In all the busyness of his schedule, I see that Jesus made alone time with God and prayer a priority. With everything that he could have done, he always made alone time with God a prayer. He, he didn't care how busy he was in life. He always made time for God a priority. And not, not just any time, but, but uh, intentional, alone time and prayer with God. This morning, we're, we're going to go through six occasions in which Jesus chose uh, to be alone in prayer over the many other things uh, that he had. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be spending uh, a bit of time in the Gospels as we're going to, last week we did a a bit of rapid fire, and this week we're also going to do a bit of rapid fire with the verses as we're going to cover six occasions uh, real quick in which Jesus chose to be alone in prayer. So again, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to the New Testament, and we'll be spending time in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. So we'll start off in in Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to see how Jesus, one of the occasions in which he chose to be alone in prayer, was when he was to prepare for a major task. See, in Luke chapter 3, Jesus got baptized. He got baptized by John the Baptist as John was preparing the way um, and, and actually it's not even necessarily described here, but before th- this took place, Jesus was baptized by John uh, the Baptized, and shortly thereafter, he was baptized, and, and kind of his call, his mission like to be the savior of the world. Shortly after that, uh, Jesus had to prepare for the major task at hand. He had to prepare to be the savior of the world, And so let's see in chapter 4 how Jesus prepared for this major task at hand. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2, it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led, Jordan where where he got baptized, and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness for 40 days, being tempted by the devil, and he ate nothing during those days, and when they were ended, he was hungry. So here Jesus was, uh, after he was baptized, in which God confirmed that he was the Son of God, um, basically uh, saying that he was to be uh, the savior of the world. Shortly thereafter, uh, Jesus left uh, the, the Jordan area, and he went into the wilderness for 40 days. 40 days Jesus was all by himself, not, not including uh, the temptations of the devil. But for 40 days, for the most part, how did Jesus prepare for this major task? He spent 40 days alone. He spent 40 days in solitude to prepare for this major task at hand to be the savior of the world. And so he spent this time alone, and he spent this time alone with God. Because he, he, he could have known that the value of his time, and, and it wouldn't have been a terrible idea, you know, to just jump the gun and get started. You say, you know what, I'm going to go find my disciples, the people are going to follow me, I'm going to start healing, I'm going to start preaching, that's what I need to do now, because God called me for a mission. But instead... Jesus said that he needed to prepare himself, and he did that by spending alone time for 40 days. That's a big chunk of time. And so Jesus chose to be alone in prayer to prepare for a major task. And if we uh, skip ahead just a couple of chapters in in the the book of Luke to chapter 6, we'll be reading uh, verses uh, 12 through 13, we see that Jesus spent alone time in prayer before making an important decision. Because early in in his ministry, Jesus, he had to select 12 people to be his closest disciples, his closest followers. 
I mean, that, that, that's, a, that's a big task. That's an important decision to make, to decide who are going to, Jesus, who are going to be the 12 people that are going to learn from you, that are going to spend all this time with you. Yeah, Jesus had uh, many disciples. Uh, some people may not realize that. He didn't just have the 12, but the 12, the 12 apostles were the closest to Jesus as, as they were, were following Jesus everywhere that he went practically. And so in, in chapter 6, verses 12 through 13, as Jesus is preparing to make this decision of who was going to be the 12 people to follow him, it, it says in Luke uh, six twelve, it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. And when day came, he called his disciples and chose from them 12, whom he named apostles. So there it says, In these days he went out to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. So the night before Jesus was to make that decision, uh, uh, this important decision of who were to be his 12 disciples, he spent the whole night in prayer. He spent a whole night, a time being alone with God. Uh, again, it wouldn't have been a terrible idea for Jesus to go, all right, I need to pick my 12 because we need to get rolling. We have a big task at hand and little time to accomplish it. But instead, Jesus saw the value of spending alone time with God. And he spent that whole night praying to God. And in this, uh, or actually in the book of Mark, uh, we'll see uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke. If you flip to Math, or Mark chapter 6, uh, we'll see that Jesus spent alone time in prayer to recharge after hard work. In Mark chapter 6, uh, verses 30 and 32, uh, shortly before this, Jesus sent out uh, the 12 disciples. He sent out the 12 disciples. He empowered them. He empowered them to cast out these demons. He empowered them to, to preach the gospel message. He empowered them to do all of this great work. And so the 12 disciples, they went, they did all of this great work as Jesus uh, instructed them to do so. And then they came back. In, in chapter 6, and in verse 30, it says, The apostles returned to Jesus and told them all that they had done and taught. And he said to them, Come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going, and they had no leisure even to eat. So here Jesus, as his disciples returned from all their hard work, Jesus' message isn't, oh, well, well, let's feed on this momentum and keep going. No, Jesus says, take time to rest. Take time to go in solitude and spend that alone time with God. They needed to spend time by themselves with the creator of the heavens and the earth. And so Jesus saw the importance of choosing to be alone in prayer as you're recharging after hard work. Another instance or occasion in which Jesus chose to be alone in prayer is to work through grief. In, in Matthew chapter 14, Matthew chapter 14, we'll be reading verses 10 through 13. Um, Jesus' cousin, his cousin was John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, uh, he had a big job. His job was to prepare the way for the Messiah, for the Christ. And, and John the Baptist was great. And, and John the Baptist and Jesus, I imagine, had a, a, a very close relationship. As not only were they cousins, but they, they fed on the same passion for God. They fed on the same passion of Jesus being the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah. And in Matthew chapter 14, verses uh, 10 through 13, uh, it is about when John the Baptist was in prison. And it says in verse 10, he sat and had John beheaded in the prison. Uh, uh, that's Herod. Herod had John the Baptist beheaded. John the Baptist died. And his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. So here, here's John the Baptist. Uh, he, he was uh, captured, and Herod uh, took him uh, through the uh, poor influence of his wife. He decided to behead John. He decided to execute John. And so the disciples heard this, and they went and buried his body, and they went and told Jesus. And so in verse 13 it says, Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the town. So here we see that Jesus, when, when, when he was grieving, he went to that alone place. As again it says, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. 
So as Jesus was grieving the loss of his cousin, of his friend, of his companion in this great mission, he, he, he went alone to a desolate place and he spent that alone time with God. For Jesus saw the value in spending alone time with God. The, the, the fifth occasion that we see in, in Luke chapter 12 is that Jesus uh, prioritized that alone time with God in a time of distress. And I said Luke 12, but I actually meant Luke 22. Luke 22, uh, verses uh, 39 uh, through 44. Uh, this takes place uh, the night before Jesus was crucified. Uh, the night before Jesus, or the night of his arrest and his trial. And uh, the, the sad thing is that Jesus was completely aware of what was to take place to him. Just the night before he was crucified, he knew exactly what was coming his way. I, I mean, when, when, when hard things come and you know it's coming, Part of the hardest part is the wait for it, is the wait for, for this difficult uh, trial and tribulation to come. And the night before Jesus, uh, before he was crucified, he, we, we'll, we'll read actually in verse 39 of chapter 2, and it says, And he came out and went, as was his custom, into the mountain of olives, and the disciples followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you may not enter into temptation. And he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed saying, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. And there appeared to him an angel from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So here we see in in the Garden of Gethsemane a story that probably most of us are familiar with. As Jesus is aware that next day he is to be crucified, How does he spend his last precious moments on earth? He spends his last precious moments, that valuable time, alone with God. He spent the last last free moments that he had in prayer with God. Of all the things in the world that he could have done with, with, with his last few days, Before his crucifixion, he could have been discipling, he could have been preaching, he could have been healing the sick, he he could have been casting out the demons of all the things that he could have done, all the busyness of his schedule. The last thing that he chose to do with his free time was to be alone with God. So again, we can see the value and the importance that Jesus had in spending alone time with God. And there's so much good. There's so many other good things that Jesus could have done with his time. But Jesus chose to spend his valuable, precious time in being alone with God. And I would think if there was one person who wouldn't need that valuable, precious time, I would think it would be Jesus. I mean, as he's the son of God. I mean, he'll spend, it turns out to be thousands of years at the right hand of God. And so if anybody wouldn't have need that precious alone time with God, it would have been Jesus, I would think. But here we see that that same man spending his precious moments in life alone with God because he saw the importance of spending that alone time with God. Last, uh, the passage uh, that, that we'll take a look at here in Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 16, J- just one, a very short uh, verse, and probably a verse that as uh, you're reading uh, through, through the scriptures, a verse that you'd probably skip over uh, as, as it may not seem uh, super important, but, but it's very important f- uh, for what uh, we're talking about uh, today. So in Luke chapter 5, uh, verse 16, it says, but he, being Jesus, w- would withdraw to desolate places and pray. Here we see that Jesus made a habit of withdrawing to desolate places and praying. You know, throughout his whole ministry, I mean, the, the Gospels don't depict everything that Jesus did, but here we can see in Luke five sixteen that Jesus made a habit of withdrawing to a desolate place and pray. Uh, I, I like how uh, the NASB puts it. For anybody reading the NASB, it says that he slipped away, that Jesus slipped away to, to a desolate place and, and to pray. 
He, he didn't just withdraw, but he slipped away. When I, when I think of slipping away, I think of like uh, doing yard work or something or cleaning the house, and, and maybe I want to slip away from doing that to watch the ball game. Or, or maybe I want to slip away from having to go grocery shopping and, and staying home and watching the game. Or maybe you, you want to slip away um, from a social outing so you can, so you can uh, spend time at home and relax. We slip away to stuff that we want to do. We, we, we try to get out of stuff that we don't want to do. And so we slip away to the stuff that we want to do. And here it says that Jesus, he would often slip away to, to this desolate place and pray. As Jesus, he, we see that, that it wasn't just something on a checklist that Jesus had to do. It, it, Jesus' mindset wasn't, oh, I, I got to pray today, and so I'll do it. No, Jesus wanted to withdraw. Jesus wanted to slip away and pray. We, we slip away to stuff that we want to do. We don't slip away to stuff that we don't want to do. But Jesus wanted, he wanted that alone time with God and prayer. It wasn't just one of those things that he checked off a checklist. It's something that he valued. It's something that he wanted. It was his will to spend that alone time with God. And so again, as, as I think of the busyness of our schedule, I realize that, yeah, we are extremely busy. And I also realize that my fear is that a lot of us are missing out on that alone time with God. And we think of all the, the, the busiest people in the world, president probably, probably being some of the busiest people in the world because they have to manage a country but all the more busy would have Jesus been as he was called to not be the savior of the city of Jerusalem or, or the region of Galilee or, or the, the country of Israel. He wasn't called to be the savior of America. Jesus was called to be the savior of the world. It's such a huge responsibility that he had and so much that he needed to do. His earthly ministry really took place in three years. Three years he, he performed his earthly ministry. And Matthew, Mark, and Luke, what's described there, it took place in about three years. And in, the, in that such that, that, that crunch of time, Jesus saw the value of spending alone time with God. And so just like Jesus did, we need to find that alone time with God. As we talked about a couple months ago, finding that time uh, to, to read God's word. That's an important part of the process. We need to find that time to read God's word. And I hope you're keeping up with that. And in Sunday school today, we joined John's class, and he mentioned that he still gets that alarm every day at 1120 that he needs to read the Bible. I love that because reading the Bible is such an important part of the process. But just as important, if not more important, is that alone time with God in prayer. Prayer is so important it's our mode of communication with the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. That should blow your mind that you are able to communicate with the creator of the heavens and the earth. I mean, I remember one time when I was younger, I'm a Detroit Lions fan. I know my buddy Ben back there is a Lions fan as well. And I wasn't really alive to watch him play, but I was a huge fan of Barry Sanders. I mean, I love to watch his film. As Barry Sanders, he's the GOAT. People talk about who's the GOAT, the greatest of all time. That's Barry Sanders, let me tell you. I mean, he was awesome. And he had some event, and so I reached out to him on Facebook messaging him. I was like, you know, Barry's not going to respond to me, but Barry responded to me. Barry Sanders re responded to me, and that made my day that I was able to communicate, just send one little message to Barry Sanders. How much more should it make my day that I get to communicate with the creator of the heavens and the earth? And I'm sure we can all think of people who, who would just make your day if you could talk to them. You know, may, maybe it's Justin Fields, the Ohio State quarterback, or, or maybe it's Baker Mayfield, you know, the, the Browns quarterback, or maybe it's some pop star, Justin Bieber, whoever it may be. I don't know what, what kids are into nowadays. But we can all think of people that would just make our day if we, if we could communicate with them. But guess what? You can communicate with the God who made that person. You can communicate with the God who, who made you, who formed you and knit you in your mother's womb. You, you, you can communicate with the God who put all of this together. You can communicate with the God of the heavens and the earth, and that is such a huge privilege. And it's my hope and prayer that we can all find that alone time with God and prayer as it's so important. 
And so if you're preparing for a major task at hand, I urge you to seek alone time with God in prayer. If you're making an important decision in life, I encourage you to seek alone time with God in prayer. If you need to recharge after hard work, I encourage you to seek alone time with God in prayer. If you're working through, through grief or through, through a tribulation, I encourage you to spend alone time with God. And if you're in a time of distress, then, then I encourage you to spend alone time with God, for, for that's Jesus' model. That's how he coped with things, is by spending alone time with God. And just like Jesus, I encourage you throughout your whole life, throughout all that you do, to find that alone time with God. And I'm telling you, if you do find that alone time with God, I'm telling you, for, for, for my own personal testimony, that you will feel better about just about everything. You'll, you'll feel better about life if you are seeking that relationship with God, if you're making that time a priority, that alone time with God. Do that. Please find that time because it's such a blessing that we have direct access to the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. And that direct access is only made possible through Jesus Christ as Jesus Christ serves as our mediator. It's again, G Jesus Christ, 2,000 years ago, he died on the cross. We often like to talk about our sins, but in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 18, it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. Christ died and suffered to bring you to God. Don't belittle the sacrifice of Christ. Seek that direct access to the almighty creator of the heavens and the earth. And so as we partake in communion in just a short moments, as we partake in communion and reflect on the sacrifice of Jesus as he suffered and died on that cross, I hope that you don't belittle his sacrifice and don't take advantage of the benefits of that sacrifice. Because through that sacrifice, we have direct communication to God. As Jesus serves as our mediator, we have all the reason to be thankful for all that Jesus did on that cross. So if we could have uh, the ushers come forward. Again, uh, the night before uh, Jesus was crucified, he, he, he spent that last supper uh, with, with, you could take a seat, he spent that last supper uh, with the disciples. And uh, he, he took the bread, and he said that this bread represents my body, which should be broken for you. This bread that, that we partake in uh, this evening in remembrance uh, of Jesus' body being broken for us, it's in remembrance of what took place 2,000 years ago. It's in remembrance that through this sacrifice, we have access to God. We have all the reason to be thankful because of this. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. Father, I thank you for uh, the, the huge blessing of direct access, direct communication with you. If I just pray that, that we as a church do, do not take for granted that huge blessing. Father, I pray that we don't belittle the sacrifice of, of your beloved son. I, I hope that, that we see it in all of its significance, that, that it brought us to you. If I just pray this morning that everybody here in this church, everybody listening online, that we can be brought to you, that we make that decision to accept your free gift through our faith, which demonstrated by our works. Father, again, I just thank you for this day, and, and I thank you for the gift of life, of eternal life, which is only made possible through the sacrifice of your Son. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.
bread represents Jesus' body being broken for us. Let's partake together. same night during the Last Supper, Jesus took the cup and he said, this cup represents my blood being poured out for you. Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you for the sacrifice of your son. I'm sorry uh, we had to watch it all, that you saw the blood of your son pour out, but Father, we're just grateful and I just thank you for that free gift of life, which is only made possible through your, your son's sacrifice. And Father, I just pray that we can live the rest of our lives reflecting that love that you showed to us through this gift of life. And I thank you for the gift of your son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. partake together. Father God, I just thank you for uh, this day. Father, I thank you for the sacrifice. I just thank you that through this sacrifice, through this resurrection, uh, it gives all of what we do here as a church purpose and meaning. And I just thank you for that. Long for the day when your son returns to this earth. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.